sin, no sin. No sin. Heard they talking shit about I. Who will win and why? I'm alive. Just took one to revive. Keep that vibe when we show up and collide. Me and the guys move just like the FOI. In the hills, but still keep them ghetto ties. Was talking Frenchies, but she thinking Ocean Prime. Welcome, everyone, to the second episode of the Bounce Pass. Once again, I'm your host, Stephen Abramo. And on this segment, we have a few new people to the show. Connor Longan from Philadelphia, Worth Blackman from Kansas, and Sam Hengeli from Kansas. And, of course, Noah Brichetto from Canada, who was on the last episode with me. So we got... Uh... Connor, are you there? Oh, uh, you know I'm here. We got uh, Noah. Yeah. Yes, sir. We got Sam. What up? And then Worth, he just shows up. Let's go. <laughs> All right. So, Connor, this is the you got hit. You got in here in the very last minute, but we're still gonna roll with you. All right. Oh uh, man, I'm just I'm just uh, happy to be here. That's all. Right. Let's do. It. <laughs> all right. So I'm just happy to make my uh, my uh, my coming out. You know. All right. Um, so we'll be quick uh, early on because Worth has to go in about 20 25 minutes. So we're gonna kind of run through a couple of the topics first that are kind of relatable to him, and then once 20 25 minutes is up, he can bounce. Um, but this is the second episode that we've been doing. Uh, so just run through the topics real quick. We'll be going through the Kareem Hunt situation. We'll be kind of going through all that with the Chiefs. Kareem the Dream! Yeah. Uh, we'll be going through less miles to Kansas. All right. Uh, the Falcons downfall. I know that's a big topic for Noah since he's a Falcons fan. I'm wearing my sweater right now. Thank you. And then uh, we'll end it with some NBA with the Chicago Bulls firing his awesome. friend, a friend. Some Hoiberg. Fred Hoidberg I hear, right? Yeah. yeah. And then uh, the mayor. Fred H. And then let's end awesome. the uh, we'll talk some Luka Doncic and LA Clippers. Oh God, no! Can't, can't, I can't handle any Luka Doncic. He's too good for me. Guys, it's Luka Doncic. Luka Doncic. Say it with me. Luca, oh my God, Luca Doncic, Worth, Worth is like, what did I get into? Worth is just like, what Yo. the heck Yo. did I get into? I'm, 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 a, I'm American, so I pronounce the word the way I want to pronounce it. Oh. <laughs> All right. Remember, like manifest destiny. It's my destiny. Do whatever I want. All that. <laughs> All right. Um. Let's get right into this with the Kareem Hunt situation. Obviously, you guys already know what's been going on. Kareem the Dream, unfortunately, was let go by the Chiefs on Friday night. Last Friday, with uh, a couple of the altercations that he had. Uh, an incident back in February. And it's not been good. There's been two other incidences that have actually been caught through uh, TMZ. He's not on the Chiefs anymore. Myself, Sam... And Worth, 
we're Chiefs fans, so we probably are really into this situation. So I guess I'll start with both of you guys. I'll start with Sam. You know, knowing what the knowing what we know, do you agree with the Chiefs' decision of uh, cutting bait with Hunt? You know, it was uh, really hard for me at first. I felt really – I was disappointed that they did cut him because I felt like they didn't wait as long. Like, they didn't, like, allow him to get a second chance. But then, like, once you start hearing about how he lied and, like, you hear, like, guys like Mahomes saying, like, he should – that he's, like, glad that he got caught. Uh, I think, you know, it was probably a really good decision. Mm-hmm. But, like, the, the one thing about the Chiefs organization you've seen in the past few years, they have, like, no issue replacing a running back. Like, when Priest Holmes went down 05, like, oh, boy, who's going to be the next running back? Then Larry Johnson came in and started tearing it up. Then when Larry Johnson, like, had all those issues, uh, who's going to replace him? Oh, it's Jamal Charles. Then when Jamal Charles tore his ACL in 2015, who's going to replace him? Oh, Spencer Ware. And then when Spencer Ware tore his ACL, <laughs> guess who's going to replace him? Kareem Hunt ended up replacing him. So, you know, it is a blow. I mean, Kareem Hunt, I mean, you, the leading rusher in the NFL, it's obviously recovered very well from that. Right. Worth, I know, you know, we've been going back and forth about this topic. Uh, do you think that they were right to get rid of him? Yeah, I, I definitely do. You know, um, I know you and I talked last week, Stephen, and kind of what I what I'd been saying to you was how avoidable this whole situation was. Uh, you know, if he had fessed up originally and told the Chiefs exactly what had happened, I think things may have gone a little bit differently. But when you lie to your organization, um, you know, that's obviously not a good move and there are going to be re- repercussions. So... Yeah. Um, you know, I, I do think the Chiefs run the right there, and I, I honestly don't think it'll hurt our Super Bowl chances at all because, uh, as Sam was saying, running backs are pretty replaceable in the league, and I know the last few Super Bowl champions haven't had great run games or great uh, running backs. So Right, that, that is true. Um, you can go down the line with uh, – you can actually start with Connor's Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, they didn't have a Yo. They didn't have a lead Yo, running back. let's go. But they did have some very good running backs with Laguerre Blunt. Uh, I mean, they threw Darren Sproles out there. Jay Ajayi, of course. Uh, I mean, James, James White with the with the Patriots. I mean, the only recent running back that was pretty dominant on a Super Bowl champ was Marshawn Lynch with Seattle. So, yeah, it's not a huge loss. You know, the only thing I'm worried about is can Spencer Ware carry the load? Because we saw it last year. Well, sorry, in 2016, he was serviceable. And the Chiefs don't need a – they just need a serviceable production out of Spencer Ware. So, uh, I think that's probably a good move moving forward. So, um, now that we've kind of got our Chiefs bias out of the way, uh, Noah and Connor, we'll go with Noah first. You know – how do you think the situation went down? Was it appropriate that they got rid of him? Of course. I think that the first measure you have to take is just like is just like an absolute character check when you hear something like this. And, you know, in the meeting where uh, ownership came out and said that Kareem Hunt wasn't truthful, like, you know, there's no excuse as, a, as an acting role model in society, really. Just you got to be better. You just have to be a better human being. I'm not upset. I, actually, no, I wasn't shocked that they got rid of him because of the line. I was just so surprised how they got rid of him in like six hours, seven hours. You know, Chiefs are definitely portraying themselves as a stand-up organization with the move they made. Connor, would you agree with the uh, situation? 
I, there's really no question about it. Um, really, my thing about the whole situation is, what the hell is the NFL doing? You know, how can TMZ find this video, but the NFL can't? I can tell you why, because the NFL doesn't want to find this video. You know, they, they, I, my opinion is the NFL, dude, all they care about is they want to make their money. They want the viewership. They don't, they don't, they don't want to, uh, rock the boat, so to speak. And I think really that's the only reason that they didn't, they, they hired people to almost not find the video. Um, but listen, there is no, no, um, no situation in any circle that a man should lay their hands on a woman. You know, I I just, I can't, I can't think of any situation when I would want to do that. And especially when you're in a position like Kareem Hunt, when he's in, he's supposed to be an idol for kids, supposed to be someone you can look up to. And to do that, it's just really tarnishes, um, tarnishes not only uh his his um career and his view people's view of him but i also think it tarnishes the nfl and you know the nfl has shown with their history that they do not know how to handle this and they show again time and time again that they will still not know how to handle it so until they until they figure out what's going on with all this this i have no faith in the nfl that they'll be able to handle these types of things right um, I do think, you know, going back to your point about, you know, Kareem Hunt, about how, you know, he wasn't the wrong about putting his his hands on woman. I'm just, and I completely agree. I think what he did was not good. I just really feel like the TMZ and the NFL and really all the parties involved just did a poor job of just dealing with the consequences. I mean, I feel like, some of the whole, some of the uh, consequences that happened to Kremont, obviously losing his job. You know, I think some some consequences, if it actually happened, maybe could have gone to the woman. I mean, I, I did hear that there were some racially, uh, some racial slurs that were thrown his way. I mean, that's not an excuse for Kareem Hunt. I'm not condoning that, but I will say that, you know, we didn't hear more information about what actually took place before he actually put his hand and his foot because he kicked her uh, during the whole thing. So I am kind of curious of what happens down the road. Um, it, it's a tricky situation. You know, I don't think – I think Kareem Hunt is going to be picked up by a team next year because um, he did clear the waivers. He's not – I mean, he's on the NFL exempt list right now, so he's not going to get picked up. Hunt to um, Oakland. Oh, my God. Gruden loves Gruden loves his uh, his tough guys. Really, oh, loves those tough guys. Oh. You'd be a perfect fit on the Dallas Cowboys. Do you do you think that um, Kareem Hunt knows how to run Spider Two Y Banana? Hey, he might. Because <laughs> jo- hey, if he's on the Raiders, John Gruden's gonna be throwing that at him. <laughs> first play, first play. Hey Derek, uh, Derek, we're gonna run Spider Y two banana. Uh, excuse me, Spider two Y banana. I'm sorry, too much, uh, too much talking to Jay after the game last night. Sorry about that. <laughs> okay, um, so moving forward, uh, just a little kind of continuing with the theme of the NFL. We're gonna go to the the Les Miles and KU football in a minute, um, but since we're on the topic of the NFL. 
And since we have a diehard Falcons on the episode, we're actually going to switch gears to the Falcons and their... He's not even from Atlanta! I know! You're a Falcons fan in Canada. You're probably one of the very few Falcons fans in Canada. I don't know, Noah, you watch more of the Falcons than I do. Explain what the heck is going on. You guys are 4-8. and eight. Well, last week, um, Deion Jones came back. And on defense, it was looking a little better. Uh, Lamar, they were able to contain Lamar Jackson for the most part. Um, but the real problem is on offense. And even though their offense has been great all year, their Achilles heel is still their offense. And Matt Ryan is, I think he's third in NFL passing yards. And most of those yards have been coming from behind. So he's, he's really just, it's, it's not, it's, I don't know what's going on here, boys. <laughs> well, the Falcons are right now, they're 14th in the NFL in points per game. They're 26th in the NFL in yards per game. Um, I do think the loss of Devontae Freeman has definitely hurt the running game, but uh, the last, uh-huh. uh, the uh, Atlanta Falcons are 32nd in uh, rushing yards per game. I mean, dude, they're even worse yeah. than the Kansas City Chiefs. The Kansas City Chiefs and Reggie Ragland and Anthony Hitchens, who are complete failures, can still pose a better run defense than the Falcons. Man, that Noah, no, you got to look at that stat and you got to be like, all right. The Falcons got to go all in on defense in the draft. The problem with it is, is their front seven is made to be small and quick. But right now, they can't tackle. So right now, it's just like having 11 corners, basically, trying to tackle a running back every play. It just doesn't look like it's... They're unskilled in the front seven. You know, Dan Quinn is really that whole, it seems that whole mentality from the Seahawks to maybe even the Chargers, the, the Falcons, all that, that Pete Carroll coaching tree seems to be enamored with uh, speedy linebackers that are not necessarily the biggest guys. And, you know, um, I think that it works in this NFL. Um, it does because with those speedy linebackers, you're able to drop into coverage and, you know, it's great. But when you're, when you run it from tackle to tackle, it, it can be a, uh, it can be a problem because you're getting 320 pound lime and getting out there and getting on your backers and those small guys, no matter how fast they are, it's hard to, I shouldn't say small because they're not small. They're bigger than me, but, um, those small, small in proportion, small proportion. Those guys are, it's hard to get off. They can make the plays when they go away from them, but when you run right at them, those those guards, those the center, they're going to get down on that second level, and they're going to, you know, it's just, I don't know. It's kind of like you give some, and then and you get some results from them, but you also give some up in some aspects of the game. If that makes sense. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I just, you know, I, I mean, I don't want to keep, uh, <laughs> you know, beating a dead horse, but I mean, Noah, both of us were kind of thinking, hey, Falcons and Chiefs were going to be up there both in the top half of the league in offense. And I mean, I even agreed with you at the beginning of the season, the Falcons were going to be a playoff team this year, but it's just not happening for them right now. I don't know. 
Do we do hey, when can we start questioning? And I know Noah's gonna hate this. Uh oh, oh when god, start, he's gonna oh god. When do we start questioning if Matt Ryan's elite? No. When do we start doing it? I'm Why sorry. Did you even, what? <laughs> so <laughs> worth Noah Noah knew exactly what I was gonna say. Worth, if you don't know, Noah is the complete. He's a he's just a complete Matt Ryan stand. He will. Hey man, I I love Matt Ryan, but at, at some point in time, there's you know we 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 do have to question it. He is he is number one in passing yards in his career for a quarterback in their first ten seasons. He's the number one. That's actually that, really that, surprising that to me. That's a genuine stat, you know. That's a genuine stat. Right, yeah. Uh, but I think a lot of those yards were in 2014 when they were 4-12. and 12. I think he, Matt Ryan threw for like 4,900 yards that year. He had a couple years like that. He did have that, that, that year in uh, his MVP season. He was... He was untouchable. He was, uh, you know, it's, but again, I shouldn't say but again. It, do, it does help when you do have uh, Julio Jones there on the outside. I'm not making any excuses, but that does help as well. I mean, Julio Jones is 6'3", 235 pounds, and he mm-hmm. runs a 4'4". Like, how on, or, on earth is any man supposed to cover that physical beast? Yeah. I was just I was disappointed that uh, Tony Gonzalez couldn't get a ring in uh, Atlanta during that that 2013 run. Their their defense was uh was a it broke out a couple of years after um, Tony retired. Uh, it would have been really nice to get Tony a ring, and that was probably when our offense was at its most complete too. Um, even though our running back might have been Stephen Jackson, that was probably our only hole on the offense. Wasn't Michael Turner on that team? He was. He was, I think, 2008 to 2012 or 2013. Michael I can't remember when they got him. had, like, the biggest thighs I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Turner couldn't buy jeans from when he was, like, 14 years old on. Jesus he just couldn't. He, mu- he must have squatted 600 to 700 pounds. I've never seen thighs like that. <laughs> think about Sackwan's record. Oh, at Penn State. Saquon. Oh. You mean Saquon? Yes. <laughs> no, he's yeah, Canadian. Sorry. You can say it the way he wants to. Yeah, right, yeah. It's Canadian. It's proper. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Saquon. Yeah, don't even get Noah started into the uh, different uh, centers with the R, E, and the E, R. Oh, my God. Oh, centers, A. Starting soon, he's going to start telling us to spell color with a U. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And Canadian centers like Tristan Thompson, who's playing really well this year. My cousin's personal chef. My cousin's his personal chef, by the way. Just... <laughs> he's eating good. He's eating boards lately. That's what's up. Yeah, man. My my cousin probably feeding him good. <laughs> All right. Okay, so. The third topic that we're going to kind of get into, and we're, this is a lot of information, so we're going to sw- transition to uh, college football. This is more of a topic that's kind of up Worth's alley since he actually goes to the college. Uh, 
Les Miles to KU. Yeah, that's a big move. Yeah. Um, actually, I will give Worth credit on this. He did tell me that he did find some inside information before this actually was announced. Uh, I mean, obviously, I, I live in Kansas. Worth goes to the university. Sam lives in Kansas, too. He's been a KU fan, so I guess we'll start off with the three of us talking about the topic. But, uh, Worth, you actually go to the university? Tell us, do you think this was a great hire for KU? Yes, I do. Uh, you know, it's, everyone about two months ago was talking about Les Miles as if it would never happen, and now it's a real thing. Um, he's sent over 100 players to the NFL. He's had, I think, 20 or 30 first-round draft picks. Um, you know, if anyone can turn this program around and really bring energy to KU football, it's Les Miles. Uh, I've been following him on Twitter, and I know he's been out recruiting. He's offered quite a few four- and five-star recruits. So uh, I'm excited to see see what he does with this program. Uh, and as, as Steven said, I, I actually knew probably four or five days in advance at Les Miles. We were getting Les Miles, so I've, I've been pretty excited um, for a while now. I'm, I'm, the, the program is going to go in the right direction, that's for sure. Right. Um, and we can all agree that Kansas is – towards the bottom of the barrel on the pecking order for college football. Um, but, you know, Sam, obviously I know, you know you've been you, – you you actually sat through the debacle that was week one loss this year. Um, yeah, that was uh, painful to watch. Yeah, I absolutely agree. This was, a, the, this was probably one of the best moves KU can make, not just on a football standpoint, but just for an interest standpoint, like – I went to the KU versus the first week one where they lost. And then I went to the KU TCU game where they pulled off that upset. And, like, there was only 15,000 fans at that game. Like, with less miles, I see a lot of people on Twitter just going nuts. And, like, I feel like the uh, attendance next year at David Booth Memorial Stadium is going to absolutely double and maybe even more than that. Um, uh, but I think from a – I think from a football perspective, I think he's going to be uh, pretty good. I think he can turn it around, not just because I think it's great coaching stuff, but he also has the offensive coordinator just hired Chip Lindsey, who can really develop a quarterback. And I believe, this marked my words, this is probably one of the most boldest predictions ever. Oh, bring up the hot Luka Williams will be, will be in New York as a Heisman finalist. What? Oh, the hotness. Did he just go there? He oh, went there. Oh, he my God. All right. Um, I don't know. I think Puka Williams is going to be a very good running back. Uh, uh, we'll have That's to see about that. But, uh, he is pooking the bear. Oh, look at Noah. That's um, that's like a that is more than a hot take. That's like a putting my hand on the stove take. <laughs> yeah. Um. I believe Worth, uh, he, he, he's doing the finals, so I, I believe he dipped out. I don't think you're here, right, Worth? Uh, Worth's gone. No, no answer. No answer. All right. He has moved on. All right. But, yeah, uh, he, he was only going to be here for, for, like, 20, 40, 20, 30 minutes to give his input on the topic. Uh, but I don't know. I feel like it was a good move, but I think the biggest concern I, I have as a Candace fan is – I hope Jeff Long didn't try to go for the the brand name 
and just kind of go for the brand name and just think that just his brand is going to put butts in the seats and bring recruiters on. Because I feel like at a glance, it looks like a Charlie Weiss hire. Just the fact that, you know, when when KU hired Charlie Weiss back in 2010, 2011, uh, they got him just because of his name. Now, I do think Les Miles is a much better coach than Charlie Weiss, but we'll we'll have to see. I I think the biggest issue I have with Les Miles is just his ability to adapt and find an offense that works. Because his eight to nine wins that he he got at LSU, you know, if he can translate that at Kansas, you know, you're going to be – there's going to be a statue made for you. I mean, eight wins is like 12 wins at Kansas, but – I'm more worried about is he going to run a dinosaur offense and is he, is he going to run a pro style grinded out type of offense that he ran at LSU? Because if uh, he if he wants to do that in the air raid of the Big Twelve, I don't think that's going to work. I think the the thing here is that um, it's really important that we look at Chip Lindsey that he brought Chip Lindsey in. Um, you know, you could argue that Les Les Miles' final year at LSU that he was his offense was stale. Um, you know, it was the same thing every time. You knew what you were expecting. It was, you know, we're going to smash mouth right down your throats, a little, little bit of play action off of that. Um, and I think it shows shows a lot that he brought Chip Lindsey in, um, not only because Chip Lindsey knows how to work with a quarterback, something that you could argue, argue Les Miles really – that's one thing that he has really, if you – if you want to put it as struggled with, but I mean, it's hard to develop a quarterback. Um, but I think that shows that he is willing to adapt. I mean, you see that offense, they run it Auburn. It's a, it's a little different than LSU's uh, style when Les Miles was there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that he knows, listen, you can't compete in the Big 12 if you're going to run the ball. You, you, I mean, if you're going to just run, 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 Dude, it's it's not going to win. You're not going to win in the Big 12. We know this. They're shootouts. They're 56 to 51 games, um, games that really some people don't even consider football. But I, I'm really I'm 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 impressed and I'm happy that he brought in Chip Lindsey. I think that was a really important hire, and I think that was a good hire for for Les Miles. Right. Uh, I um, agree, 100. percent Right. And I mean, like, oh, all right. Yeah. Oh, sorry. S- um, Sam, continue. Uh, all right. So yesterday I was listening. He was. Uh, I was listening at halftime during the uh, Kansas versus Washburn game, and like Chip Lindsey was interviewed. And one of the things he says he's, he wants to do is they're going to pick like five players, like five of the best offensive weapons, and like they're going to build the offense like right around those five. Like I know one of them is going to be Puka Williams yeah. for sure. Uh, I yeah, would, that's I'm right. Twenty twenty one Heisman right there. Yeah. <laughs> but. Uh, but uh, we'll we'll see how like what they do with them. Like I I want to see how if they use him more in the passing game than like hand it off to him. Like so uh, I'm I'm really anxious to see uh, how uh, Chip Lindsey uh, uses uses uh, Puka Williams and then like other uh, guys that'll be coming in for these uh, next few uh, recruiting classes. Right. Um. Yeah. Kind of going on what Sam said. I think Puka Williams is key now. I think Kansas fans and even myself included, it might be a little worried just the fact that maybe he, let's say he does leave the program. I don't think that's going to be a, I don't think that's going to happen. 
But that could that could have been a possibility. I think if they had gotten a different coach, I think the fact that Les Miles has a lot of roots of roots in Louisiana, and he knows how to recruit guys. I think that's going to convince Puka Williams to say all four years. Um, but yeah, Puka, Puka Williams is a really good player to build around. Um, and it's going to take less miles a couple years. I mean, he, thank he, you, David Beatty. Yeah. Dave, yeah. <laughs> Dave, David Beatty. Uh, he's a good person. I will say that. Like he really cared about the players there and the program. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. Hey, without, without him, you probably don't get Puka. So, Right. Yep, I give him credit for that. He and did something think, good. And, yeah, I mean, David Beatty was able to get recruits. Um, I mean, outside of Puka Williams, there is a – I mean, he wasn't able to develop a lot of those guys. But, yeah, it, it's going to – he's going to have to, just like Connor said, just like Sam said, and we have – and like I have said, he's going to have to get better on the offensive end. But, you know, hiring Chip Lindsey was a good move. Um, hopefully, I mean, hey, Kansas doesn't need to go twelve and one, eleven and one. They got, they just got to slowly build up. And I feel before we transition into uh, the NBA topics, I do think just the goal of Les Miles is to kind of build the program back up. He did sign a five-year deal for like, I believe it was like under. What was it like under twelve million? I mean, it was a really, really I think something like that. It was a really, really cheap deal. It was a really good deal for Kansas. It wasn't like they overpaid for him. Uh, but I think the goal for for Les Miles is to build the program up, get them to be respectable, probably get them in a bowl, maybe in the second year. And one potential, they could go. I think next year they're up. ceiling is six and six. Right. Yeah. And if they can get, if they can get to six and six next year. Or by year two, that's good. I think you know he's 65. I think Les Miles can kind of get the program going, and then once he hits 70 years old and his contract is up, he can hand the keys to the engine to an up-and-coming coach that knows offense. It's been within the program, so they can have sustainability. Hopefully, that's the case, but you never know. Um, but all right. So transitioning into the other topics, we got two more topics. Uh, both NBA related. We're actually going to end with the NBA. Um, so Chicago Bulls firing Fred Hoiberg, the mayor. I know uh, Noah is a big Fred Hoiberg stan. I don't know. If no, that's, I don't know if that's true or not. a big anybody stan. No, are you a big Hoiberg no. stan? I'm a, who? What now? <laughs> Noah likes everybody. <laughs> Tell some Noah somebody he like. Tom Brady. You like somebody I don't like. Tom Brady. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> anybody that, that has a, like a do I like? Sorry. And so anybody that wears a New Orleans Saints jersey, Noah is a big fan of, since he's a Falcon. <laughs> Drew Brees, the goat. Drew Brees, top three quarterback of all time. He's not. He ain't a systematic quarterback. Him and his birthmark are very up in the echelon. Um, he's just. He's just a cute guy. You know. He just got a cute family. He's got cute kids. He's just cute. Yeah. Okay, so we'll start with uh, awkward silence. Awkward silence. Awkward transition. So we'll start with Noah. Noah is uh, very knowledgeable about the NBA. Um, but yeah, just kind of a background of 
Chicago, five and twenty. The Bulls are five and twenty, thirtieth in offensive efficiency, 29th in points per game. Uh, this was, I mean, I don't think anybody expected the Bulls to kind of make this meteoric rise to like a play to be a playoff contender. But I, in my opinion, I feel like they have the talent to be better than five and twenty. I mean, they got Jabari Parker, Laurie Markkinen, Zach Levine. I know Zach Levine is pretty much just a score, but um, I mean, Wendell Carter has been contributing well. Noah, do you think the talent that the Bulls have, they should be better than this, right? Five and twenty. Are you there, Noah? Uh, no, uh, I guess I'll go then, maybe, like. All right, yeah, yeah, we'll transition to, uh, the man, Sam. I don't know what the heck happened to Noah, but we'll go with Sam. All right. Well, I mean, you know, the Chicago Bulls, they have a lot of weapons offensively. I mean, Jabari Parker was a really good scorer. Um, you know, uh, Lowry Markkinen, he's got a lot of potential. He's kind of like a Christoph Sporzingis. Um, and then, of course, Zach Levine, the high jumping. Um, but the problem is, I felt like with Hoiberg, I mean, he just is, like, competitiveness. Like, he wasn't – like, before, like, they had Tom Thibodeau and, like, they got rid of him because they were afraid that he was over – because they were – he was overworking the players there. Uh, like, you could – I could give credit to him for uh, kind of ruining Derrick Rose and causing him to be so injury-prone for overusing him. Um but, I mean, they went from a three seed to a, to a team that missed the playoffs in Fred Hoiberg's first year. Now, granted, Gasol and Joakim Noah, they were injured. But, I mean, the uh, Jimmy Butler called out Fred Hoiberg for uh, his lack of, like, competitiveness. I mean, I mean, like, I mean, he's a very calm dude. He has, like, I mean, he has those heart issues. Uh, so, like, it's probably he doesn't want to really – go like hard on these guys like we have to use a lot of motion because that could affect them health wise in, in my opinion um but i mean i mean i guess this really wasn't the best fit for hoiberg i think um and uh be- because i just don't think he was ready for the nba yet i think he should have probably stayed at iowa state where he was mm-hmm. really succeeding and driving and mm-hmm. um you know i think this was just an unfortunate situation for him, and um, I'm not sure what's going to be next for Hoiberg, uh, if he's going to go back to college or if he's going to just work in the NBA front office. But, um, I mean, we'll we'll see what happens from there. And I, I think the Bulls have a really nice score going down there, and I think, you know, they, they're like one pick away from being a playoff contender again. Yeah. Um, it's actually kind of funny that you, t- you brought up in your very first – uh, first couple sentences when you were talking about the Bulls was Tom Thibodeau. Uh, I sent Noah this like a couple weeks ago, but uh, it was Robert Covington's very first game, or first or second game is a uh, a Minnesota Timberwolf, and the box score has Robert Covington logging forty one minutes, and then just Tom Thibodeau having a big grin because he. <laughs> but, uh, Noah, are you actually back on? Hello. All right, Noah. Here's my favorite Canadian. We're doing it. <laughs> okay. Hey. So, Noah, you did bring up that you did have some opinions on this topic that was the Chicago Bulls and Fred Hoiberg. You did talk about Paxson should be gone. Oh, well, 
I don't think I, I, the Bulls are kind of a hot mess. Like they they are, but they aren't. They have talent on the court, but the front office just can't put it together. And ever since Michael Jordan, they just I shouldn't say that. No, oh. I should say since D Rose. I should say. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Ever since Rose, since Derek, yes, better take, better take. Once once Derek Rose went out that torn ACL, just everything of the Chicago Bulls, like franchise, like that team, just everything just went completely downhill. Like if Derek Rose was healthy, they, I think the Bulls might have an NBA title right now, and the league would be completely different. I mean. I that's a good point. I mean, the Bulls, I believe, in Derrick Rose's rookie season, they were the one seed, right? Or at least the well, they were the uh, eight seed. No, they were the seven seed. They had that incredible, like probably the greatest first round series against the Celtics, where it went to seven games, and I think about five of them went to overtime, including that game six triple overtime game. Oh, that series was unreal. Wait, are you talking about the one that happened in twenty seventeen? That talking? was uh, oh, no, 2009. Oh, okay. So you 2009. Went, okay. okay, so you went back to Derrick Rose's rookie season. Oh, no, I think I was talking about 2011. The, one of those years, it was 2010, 2011, the Bulls were like one of the top seeds in the East for like one yeah, year. Yeah, Derrick Rose won MVP, and then yes. uh, LeBron got to them in the conference finals with the with, – that was the Miami Heat's first uh, NBA finals appearance where LeBron absolutely just melted down. That was that year. Right, right. That's what I was thinking. I was like, you know, Derrick Rose. I think he had an MVP. I know he won. I knew the. I knew he won the MVP in twenty eleven. So I was trying to think. You know, was it was that the year that they were the one seed? But, um, yeah, Connor, do you have? I know. Uh, you're thinking about your Sixers right now as they uh, play the Raptors. Uh, I'm definitely my mind on the seven. But my uh, mind's on the game. But uh, you know. One thing about the Bulls is that I think that um, Zach Levine really pisses me off. Oh, <laughs> oh, we're going to have to uh, – <laughs> you might work that thing out. I, I really think Zach Levine really pisses me off. Um, Levine has all – I think he arguably is the most athletic person in the NBA. Um, he can do so much. And yet he has so much left that he needs to be able to do to figure out before you can really take that next step in the NBA. Um, you know, I, I, honestly, my the Bulls' best player, in my opinion, is Larry Markin. And I think that, uh, yeah, I know it could be a hot take, but um, I think that uh, him being out for the beginning of the season did uh, – wasn't really what they wanted to happen um, a lot. He was able to make some big shots for them last year. Um, and I don't know. I, I think they just needed a change. Hoiberg, I don't know. Some at some point the players just I don't know quit. They didn't they didn't respond. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was just time for a change. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't believe Ryan Archie Akino is playing getting minutes on that team. The parasite, man. The ultimate the parasite uh, guy just for... ruined it. Ruined the dreams of my uh, final four dreams in twenty sixteen. Ruined the final four dreams for KU, but um, but yeah, I think when Sam brought up a little bit about how maybe it was too much, the NBA was too much for Fred Hoiberg. It's not easy to go from 
the college game straight into the NBA. I mean, I know we take as a Celtic fan, I think, or any any Celtic fan, maybe kind of take Brad Stevens for granted, but that doesn't happen a lot. It's very rare, and I think Fred Hoiberg is a good basketball mind. I think he has really good knowledge of the offense. I, I, but I mean that hasn't translated that much to the NBA. I think he will have a front office position, but um, we'll kind of end it. We'll end this just discussion about the Bulls uh, with kind of Noah's opinion. What, where, not only did they go with players in the draft, but what coach do you think would be a really good option for? Them? I'm, I'm going to start off by saying not Mark Jackson. Mark Jackson is not an NBA Um, I think a really good coach for them would be like an assistant, a, a guy coming from, I don't know, maybe like, kind of like a Lloyd Pierce in Atlanta right now where they can kind of take somebody else and kind of do what the what the Bears have done with Matt Nagy to the Chiefs, right? Like, you kind of want to just take an incubated mind and throw him, throw him in there. You know, Gene, if you know what I mean. I think I have the perfect coach. Who is it? You know what? I think it's I think it's time we break some barriers. Becky. Ego. We're giving it to Bex. Shout out to Bex. That would not be a bad hire, like, I mean, especially. No, she, I mean, she's. I mean, going from the Popovich system, like learning from Greg Popovich, I think she could like carry that over to Chicago, and like I feel like her the players would respect her a lot. Like it seemed like when she was coaching the summer league, uh, she did a really phenomenal job, and I think it's time to give her a chance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that could be a diff- that could be an option, but uh. So uh, we'll we'll transition to the uh, the Clippers and Luka Don Luka Doncic uh, talk. Credit to uh, Noah for bringing out the verb incubated, incubated mind. Damn SAT word. How long? Incubated. How long was that lodged in your brain today, Noah? Um, he, probably, he probably was looking in the dictionary before he, he was came like, on. He was like, oh man, I better think of these long, big words to make myself look sophisticated. Okay. Um, On my Stephen A. Yeah. Oh, blasphemous. Blasphemous. Uh, hoodwink. Bamboozled. Led astray. <laughs> run amok. Yeah. By Phil Jackson and the New York Knicks. Wait, what was the one about... Uh, hold on. What was... God, it, it's, it's so meme-worthy. What was... Oh, yeah. Lamar... Odom was on crack. Who was on crack? (laughs) Yes. Lamar Odom. Who was on crack? (laughs) One of my favorite CNA Smith rants, though, like, he was talking about the Knicks. He's like, he's like, he's like, they are so bad. Like, you know, I don't even go to the White Castle anymore a block away because the New York Knicks are a block away. They might contain me at the White Castle. I mean, that's how bad they are right now. (laughs) (laughs) Ouch. Ouch. (laughs) Yeah. I'll never turn down the White Castle. White Castle? I don't even think they exist in Kansas. 
Um, I see him a lot in St. Louis whenever I drive through there. Well, yeah, I mean, you don't. Nobody want. Nobody's sorry if people listen to this podcast that uh, might be from St. Louis, but. St. Louis is Nobody a no-no likes for St. Me. Louis. St. Louis is a no-no that for me. Place is a I mean, you got you got Emo's Pizza. St. Louis is trying to prop up their pizza. St. Louis fans try to brag about their barbecue, which is pretty much ham and ketchup on a bun. And now, and now they're going to start bragging about the yeah the XFL. I'll, I'll cut some slack about St. Louis because Noah and his big and his Cardinals just got a. Oh, oh my God. Got made a big move with Paul Goldschmidt. He's I, that's probably him clapping, standing up in his sofa. Um, but but yeah, the only good thing that came that comes out of St. Louis is Jason Tatum. That's it. Moving on to a similar young phenom, Luka Dong. Okay, Noah, please say it. Doncic. Doncic. I always kept call him Luka Doncic. That's same. But it's Luka Doncic. Luka was. A big fan for Noah. Noah adored him before he even hit the uh, the NBA draft hype board in 2018. Um, so I guess we'll start there. Noah, do you think? I mean, I think most of us had a good sense of he was going to be a good, productive, good and productive NBA player. But did you think he was going to make this type of a a move? He was going to be this good this early at 19. Part of it is. Um, part of it is the situation. Uh, Dallas has done a really, really good job at rebuilding around him. Uh, just, just they've they've done all sorts of uh, all sorts of revamps to their sets and guys like Maxi Kleber and uh, Dwight Powell are producing at better rates than they've ever produced in their careers. Um, They've got Luka Doncic, of course. Wesley Matthews is slowly rounding his way back into form. The last couple of years, he was kind of still recovering from a torn Achilles injury that he think he had when he was coming to Dallas. But he's pretty healthy now, and Dallas looks like a legitimate playoff team, spearheaded by Doncic. I am. You go ahead, Sam. Oh no, you oh. go. and Doncic together are just man that's butter um you can't get much better than those two young guys you guys i think not a lot of people respect the fact that um Doncic really had a um he really had a, a quite amazing career over in europe and i don't think people i know noah does but not enough americans or people on the in the uh Western Hemisphere really understand how competitive some of those European leagues are, and I, I mean he he was dominating as a seven a seventeen year old, and I, you know some of the, those guys he's playing against are are very capable NBA players. Um, I of course I didn't see him being this good this quickly, but I mean that step back that he hit the other night is just I I wish Ben Simmons could do that right. Yeah, I mean, yes. So, what's your take on that? I mean, Luka Doncic, I mean, I was like, don't try him or DeAndre Ayton for a rookie of the year. And then I just decided in my mind, I think Luka Doncic would probably be the rookie of the year because, you know, he's learning from a legend named Dirk Nowitzki, of course. Um, and, uh, I mean, uh, the roster and uh, 
in Dallas is a, a lot better right now compared to Phoenix's. And uh, I knew that uh, he could make impact immediately because of that experience over in playing in the EuroLeague. And, like, I don't know if you watched much of Mike Korzemba on YouTube, uh, but uh, I watched one of his videos, and he did a whole 10-minute uh, video on Luka Doncic. And he, he said, like, like he, he's like he's like the LeBron of Europe. And uh, so far, uh, he has looked that way. Yeah. Um, but that... And also... Oh, yeah. No, and also, don't forget, uh, Dennis Smith Jr. is no, uh, not too bad either. Yeah, Dennis Smith, um, he, he's been a good, he was a good draft pick for them last year. Um, but it is interesting that you did, you, you did bring up the point about DeAndre Ayton. Um, I feel like, in my opinion, I thought entering the season that the Suns were going to be a lot better than what they are right now. Um, you know, they have not progressed at all, it seems like. But um, also, Devin Booker being injured right now doesn't help either. It, it, no, it, it, it doesn't. And, you know, I just – once the, once the offseason hit and then as soon as the summer months went on, you know, I, I thought, man, they can get if they can have a healthy Devin Booker, they can have Josh Jackson take another step in his pro- sophomore year – DeAndre Ayton can be a productive force, and he's been okay. I don't think DeAndre Ayton has played nearly to the level that guys like Trey Young, Jaron Jackson, and just like we mentioned, Doncic really? has. I I don't. I think Doncic has been. I think Doncic has been like the high bar. I think Jaron Jackson's been good. Trey Young has been uh, pretty impressive so far. Yeah, I mean, I think DeAndre Ayton's been. Decent. I just don't. Th- if you compare him to like the top five guys, you know, I thought DeAndre Ayton was going to be Rookie of the Year. He, I mean, he, he, he very well could be. I guess if he has a really good second half, but I think if you compare him to the other three other three four other top picks, I don't think he's been as good as those guys have. But Phoenix has been just struggling. I mean, Trevor Reza, They might end up trading him after they get after he signed a one year deal. Uh. Jackson has just been a disaster. I mean, he – I don't know. He's just been – I know he's Noah – He's just been inconsistent. Right. And I know Noah has a lot of input about that. We, we were talking about that a couple weeks ago. Um, yeah, Phoenix has just not been in a good spot. You know, what, you know what one team that's doing really well that nobody is, like, even batting an eye on? The Cleveland Cavaliers? No, <laughs> I wish, but – it's the Sacramento Kings, like, forget Buddy Heal has continued to elevate himself. And, Sacktown? Yeah, like, they had a, that blow up, nice win. I mean, against the Phoenix Suns, I mean, even though the Suns aren't good, they're up, like, 36 a night after one. Like, well, yeah, the De'Aaron Fox really helped that out. De'Aaron Fox is uh, one hell of a player in a. Uh, I knew he was going to develop. There's one thing, you know, you can't teach, and that's, and that's speed. Um, speed kills. That's that's the old adage, and Darren Fox has it. He's like, now he's starting to get an outside shot, and, you know, everything's just clicking for him. Oh, absolutely. I think the Kings, I think, I think they're getting close. They're getting a lot closer to becoming a playoff contender now. And then I, I also think, Dave Yeager, I, I really, I really like him as a coach. That's a really good job so far. Mm-hmm. There, and then I, and then I think 
Uh, buddy, buddy, heel. I think, I think he he's gonna become a he's gonna make an all star game at some point. I don't know if it's gonna be this year or next year, but uh, but uh, I think you know his progression has been uh really great right now. I think going to Sacramento, a place where like they really like Body Debots really wanted a uh, Buddy Heal. Like they were gonna take him if he was available. So when they traded Boogie, it was just like a no brainer. That they wanted to be buddy to get buddy healed in that deal, and um, and uh, Kobe Bryant has been working with Buddy, and he has a lot of praise for him. So I I think the future looks really for the Sacramento Kings in that regard. Yeah, yeah, just like you mentioned, Sam. I mean, they got a good core. I mean, De'Aaron Fox, or like I call like to call him Swipe the Fox. I think that's his Twitter account name, which is really or Instagram. Swipe up fox. Yeah, He's that's quick like a fox. That is just a very, very lit name. Uh, we haven't even mentioned Marvin Bagley and talking about the Kings. Yeah, yeah I mean, Marvin too. I mean, they the have. Bags. I mean, they got so many guys. I mean, Bagley, Fox is is progressing well. Just like Sam mentioned, Buddy Heald, uh, Willie Cauley signs giving him good minutes. Uh, just. Bogdan Bogdanovich is still producing. I mean, they've been. What about Bayika? Yeah, Be-Yika. he's been. I, he has been playing. He's playing the best basketball of his career right now. Bayitsia. Uh, yes, Bayitsia. Yeah. He's he's really it's playing. That's one of the toughest basketball I've ever he's ever played. But if you don't like the Kings, you don't like NBA basketball. <laughs> Who said that? Uh, I was just a joke from their uh, their broadcaster. Whenever there's like a crazy play, he'd be like, you don't like that. You don't like NBA basketball. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so moving on to the last topic, like I mentioned a lot uh, earlier. Sticking with the NBA theme, we're going to go with the Los Angeles Clippers, who really, really look like a team who's exceeded expectations. Um, similar to Sacramento, but they've done a lot better job in Sacramento because the Clippers are actually a top, near the top of the Western Conference right now. Who would have thought that at the start of the year? I know. I mean, there's a lot of things, there's a lot of things that you can take away from this right now. I mean, the Clippers, they're third in the NBA in scoring. Uh, they're getting great production from Tobias Harris. Now, I, in my opinion, I think Tobias Harris has always been an underrated player, but he's taking his game to the next level this year. Gallinari's contributing. Uh, Doc Rivers looks like a coach of the year candidate. Th- there were thoughts about the Clippers just blowing this entire thing up and building through the draft. Um, now, they have built through the draft. I think Shai Gil- Shea Gildas Alexander was a good move for them. Uh, I believe they picked him in the mid-rounds, like, Wait, where's he from? Kentucky. Yeah. No, no. I mean, like, what country is he from? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's all. I don't remember, honestly. He's Canadian. Um, <laughs> oh, I think one of the I think one of the coolest things about the Clippers is that any team that's got Boban Marjanovic sitting on the bench, um, you know, I. We all, I mean, we, I feel like a lot of people like to make fun of Boban Marjanovic because he like, looks like he comes straight out of Lord of the Rings. <laughs> he's like the, 
He's like the uh, Ivan Drago of the NBA. He'll be like, he'll come up to any big man. He'll be like, I, I will crush you. But I'll tell you what. Um, he doesn't. He he only plays his limited minutes. But when he does play, I've always been really high that I think Boban's got a very nice offensive touch for a guy that big. Um, now I've been really. I mean, you gotta you gotta. For me, in my opinion, the engine that runs the Clippers, he might not be the best player, but the engine that runs the Clippers is Lou Williams. That's who runs the Clippers. Sweet Lou? I mean, I, I remember him from my time when he was in Philly. You know, he might not play defense, and he's clearly admitted that he will not play defense. But that man knows how to put the ball in the basket. And in this day and age in the NBA, that's what you do. Uh that's what the NBA is made for these days. I, I've been really impressed. They've been really getting contributions from, from pretty much everybody, and that's really, really important when you're a team that isn't expected to make a make a, any, like, waves as the Clippers were before the season. I kind of wonder, like, watching this Clippers success, if Blake Griffin was the problem in L.A., like, I mean, he was, like, injury-prone. I mean, like, he was – Kind of like affecting maybe the, the flow of the offense in a way. Like it just seems like the Clippers are clicking up a lot better without him than with them. And like the Pistons, I mean, I haven't really been able to pay attention to them that much. But it seems like they haven't really been successful with him. He's actually he's been playing for he's been playing. Uh, I mean, the, the last two games he played against the Sixers, he's averaging over forty points. So I might be a little biased, but. Um, I just don't think he fit the system in L.A. I really don't think he fit what Doc Rivers wants to do. Once CP3 left for Houston, I felt like everything – I felt Blake Griffin's career was going to fall off a little bit. I felt like Chris Paul really elevated Blake Griffin and helped him be able to uh, get to the playoffs in a way. But, I mean, I'm looking at the numbers right now. I mean, the Pistons aren't – I mean, it's Dwayne Casey's first year right now. They're fourth actually in the East, so I think. Oh, okay. I, so they're not doing. They're actually doing pretty decent. Right. I mean, we're gonna see how that turns out. I still believe that the cream will rise to the top, and the Raptors, the Sixers, Celtics, and Bucks are gonna be all the top. Are gonna be the top four seeds in the East, but we'll see. But yeah, I think the Pistons have definitely looked pretty good. Um, Hey man, this could be the year that the Eastern Conference, you know, with everything that's gone on in uh, Golden State, you never know. They say it's all clear. They say it's all in the past, but uh, hey man, you never know. You never right. know. And that that does bring up a good point. Um, actually, I'll bring it up after I'll, after Noah gives his thoughts on the Clippers because he hasn't really put much input about this. I know this is a topic that he wanted to discuss um but noah give us your thoughts about the clippers before i jump into the eastern conference so you guys you guys skipped over probably in my opinion the most improved player in the nba wait who is this I, i got cut out Is there? Oh, oh. oh yeah, I'm there. I'm there. 
Wait, no, no, hold on. What, right. what was the guy? Um, that you, what, uh, what's up? Hold on. I, I cut out when you said that there's a player that we haven't mentioned. What was the player that you named? Montrez Harrell. Oh, man. I loved him when he was in college. As soon as you said that name, I was yeah. like, dang, we forgot about him. Oh, man. You mean Montrezl? Montrezl? He reminds me. He reminds me a lot of Ben Wallace. Is it because he's got he the hair like Ben Wallace? Yeah, and he plays that just that physical toughness he's got. Like he just doesn't. He just like is like fearless defensively. Like he has that kind of like <sighs> instinct. I actually really like that comp. They even have, they really even have like it down to the same build. <laughs> but yeah, Harold Montrez Harold's been really good for them. Uh, Shea, of course, has been giving them quality minutes. Um, they also have some serious depth at every position. Like I could probably name you several players at all their positions that are of guys that are like they're all NBA role players. They could all earn themselves minutes on some roster somewhere. Uh-huh. Or now that now they could, based on what they've shown in L.A. at least. And you've got to agree somewhat, right, with guys like Milos Tadosic and Montrezl Harrell. Yeah. And that's why I kind of pointed to – that's why you, you did a good job mentioning the role players. That's why I did allude to Doc Rivers at the start of this uh, discussion because I think – Doc Rivers was really getting pushed towards the hot seat, in my opinion. And I thought, you know, by move on with Chris Paul, um, some of the moves that they made by trading away Blake Griffin, I thought that they were definitely going to go into rebuild mode and they're going to fire Doc Rivers. I thought it was just going to be a complete reboot of everything. And I think a lot of the a lot of the perception the people had around Doc Rivers was he was a really good coach that could coach strictly with veteran presence with guys that were established stars. Um, and he's, I mean, yeah, they have a couple guys on this team that are good players, but he's done this, like Noah mentioned, role player. He's done a really good job of meshing everybody together and have everybody kind of have their own role. Um, so I credit Doc Rivers for that, and that's why I do think he has – emerged as coach of the year candidate um we'll talk about since connor mentioned i think it's a good topic to, to kind of go into we'll go a little bit into the eastern conference and then we'll wrap this thing up but um so kind of going with what connor said it will it is interesting you know i think at the beginning of the season a lot of us thought that the eastern conference was going to definitely have a new shift considering LeBron left, but I don't think people thought that the Eastern Conference was going to be as deep maybe as it is now. Cause it, it, in my opinion, I think the Eastern Conference is probably in real is in better shape than what it's been in such a, in such a long time. Uh, I mean, you got the Raptors obviously who are 20 and five, the best record in the NBA, the Sixers, 
are closing in on them. I think they're like three games back. Milwaukee, who started off a little, who started off really hot, they've kind of took a little. They've kind of stumbled a little bit, but they're still a really good team. Boston, as you guys know, I'm frustrated about them, but they still have really good talent. Um, fire Brad Stevens. Fire Brad <laughs> Stevens. Exactly. Get rid of him. Uh, I mean, the, the Celtics will be fine, but but. We're gonna stick with just the actual fact that the Eastern Conference is a lot better than what it was, and then, but but yeah, I mean, you compare it to the Western Conference. I mean, we all thought 2019 was pretty much gonna be the last. Well, not I wouldn't say the last, but it was still gonna be a year that was gonna be dominated by Golden State. That Golden State was gonna be head and shoulders above everybody else, and they might at the very end. I think the talent they have with their guys still trumps everybody in the western conference but at least right now it doesn't look like that they're the dominant force in the west that we thought they would be um so i was kind of kind of going your thoughts about you know the eastern conference actually being a lot better than maybe people thought it would be um we can start with connor we can start with noah sam i'll i'll, I'll start it off um i'm really i think the eastern conference to me, I think the top four teams, you know, the Bucks, the Sixers, the Raptors, and the Celtics are just as good as the top four teams in the West. Um, I, I would agree with that I statement. Think, I think that's where you find the difference between the East and the West is after that. Um, I think the West has more, a little more depth than the East does. Um, but, I mean... Really, I've been so impressed with, the, I mean, the Raptors, they've been, they're really beating my team right now, but they've been really impressive on the defensive end. I think Kawhi Leonard has really, really shored them up. Um, I mean, the Bucks. I know they've hit a, they've hit a uh, little bit of a slow stretch, but Giannis is really, he just keeps getting better and better. And it's just, it's unreal what this, the limit is for him. Like, the sky is the limit. The ceiling is the roof, really. Um, <laughs> wasn't, that um, a, what was, wasn't that a, uh, wasn't that the Michael Jordan? Yeah, Michael, Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. Yeah, Jordan that, was a, that was a big slogan that caught on for uh, the 2017 North Carolina basketball team. But, uh, but Yeah, but, because Michael Jordan said in the gym, um, the Celtics, I know they started off slow, but. You got, you, you know, they're, you know, they're going to come back. You, you got too much talent on that team to, to just, uh, to have a bad year. You know, the Celtics are going to be there and they're going to be a strong team come the postseason. Um, and you know, I saved the best for last because it's my squad. Um, the Sixers, um, I'm, like I said, I'm a little disappointed in their effort tonight. Uh, Joel's not having a good game, but. Outside of really two or three games I can remember, Joel Embiid is playing at, at an MVP-type level. Um, Jimmy Butler, the Jimmy Butler trade is really big. Um, I was just telling on my parent, uh, my dad, talking to my dad and my brother tonight, that I think the most important aspect about the Jimmy Butler trade wasn't for his defense, but was for the fact that he is a closer. I mean, the guy scores... He scores so much in the fourth quarter. It's unreal. And I knew that coming in, but you don't really see it until he plays for your team. Um, 
Ben Simmons, I'm a little disappointed in the fact that he is still not shooting the ball. But ever since um, Jimmy Butler's been on the team, he's actually improved. Uh, he's been taking more. He's been getting uh, more aggressive. He's been taking better shots. He's and um, he has actually improved from last year's percentage in uh, close range shots uh, drastically. I was really, I think he was like 13 percent uh, at the rim last year, and now he's at like 52 percent. Um, so he's definitely improved there. I just think that the East is really, it's going to come down clearly to those four teams, and I mean. I'm super excited because those playoff series, whether it's you can go either uh, any of those teams against each other in those because uh, we're going to guess that those are going to be the two semifinals. Man, they're going to be some great series. They're going to battle it out. Um, I think the East is definitely full of better defensive teams than the West is. But um, so I think it's a little more it's a little different than the West. But, man, I'm really impressed with how the top four teams in the East have been playing. Sorry, that was a really long and winded answer, but I had to go through it. That's fine. That's <laughs> fine. Um, but yeah, we'll kind of we'll go through Sam's opinion and we'll go through Noah's opinion. We'll probably uh, call it quits. But uh, Sam, kind of give your thoughts about the, the the difference between the East now and the East that was last year. Well, I mean, the East last year was still uh, LeBron's. LeBron's uh, conference, pretty much. Um, um, but but this year, the, the East, I'm I'm really impressed with the the Toronto Raptors, man. Like like after they fired Casey, and you know they took a really big risk with Kawhi Leonard, which I wasn't, I didn't, I didn't know if he was gonna want to go to Toronto. Uh, I mean, I mean, he wanted to be a Laker for sure, but uh. When he got traded to Toronto, I was really surprised, and I wasn't sure if it would work. I mean, based on his motivation, but he looks like an MVP candidate the way he's playing. And the Raptors, they look like they're uh, bound to be the one seed in the East, potentially, unless the uh, Sixers and Celtics really heat up. And they uh, and the Raptors hit like a cold stretch. But, um, but, I, but the uh, Sixers, I think the Sixers will eventually – I think they're a, a, be, a better team this year compared to last year. I think Jimmy Butler is a significant upgrade. And I think about Jimmy Butler being there, it takes a little bit less pressure off Ben Simmons to uh, to want it, to like go and score more. And like it gives a lot of pressure off Embiid as well because Butler will want to be, will want to take the last shot. Like he, he wants to win. He wants to win. And, uh, he has that uh, Philadelphia mentality, that toughness and uh, that grit that uh, I know Philly people love. Um, but I think, I think they're gritty. You better believe it. We're gritty. Yep, the grit. <laughs> gritty. And, uh, yeah. Best mascot in all sports, bro. Gritty. Yeah. All right. But uh, <laughs> the self the uh, Boston Celtics. I know they're struggling right now, but I really, I, I trust Brad Stevens and his great coaching ability. And I think, uh, I think part of their problem was just getting Gordon. I think Gordon Hayward was a little bit of a problem just getting him back in. Uh, I think coming off that injury, you know, pretty rusty. Um, I mean, you know, when you go off an injury like like that, the psychological part will will absolutely be uh, really really the huge question. Uh, will you, Will he be able? It's like, will he be able to uh, 
be able to not be afraid to like maybe like go be more aggressive at the ball, go up and jump, try to make a dunk because he's going up so high and he might land and do it, replicate some type of injury like that. Uh, but um, you know, uh, I I do trust that the Celtics with all that talent and Kyrie Irving, I I think they're eventually going to get it together, and uh, I think. I think they're about. They're gonna go on like one of those uh, big like streaks. Maybe they win like 15 in a row, like they did like last year, something like that, at some point in the year. But I really like the Eastern Conference. I think I think this year's finals it could be a uh, six to seven game series because I think the East, the teams in the East are starting to catch up a little bit to the West. Right. I do think that the Eastern Conference has closed the gap. A little bit. Uh, Noah, give us your final thoughts before we end this. Okay. So I'm just going to formally pose something for you guys and see what you think. But um, I've been I've been watching a lot of Jason Tatum lately. I've been watching a, or not, I'm not going to say I've been watching a lot of Celtics lately, but. I've been thinking about the Celtics a lot lately, and I know that the Celtics what's, what's going on there with their issues, and I just think that they have too many players that do the same thing. Yeah, well, what do you guys think? Thank you, Noah, for supporting the Celtics. I know that you are a closet Celtics fan, and I will get you a Celtics jersey for Christmas. Um, but no, uh. Yeah, to your point, I don't know. I kind of feel like it's not more so that they have guys that do the same thing. I just feel like the Celtics have too many guys that ha- they have too many mouths to feed. And I think that they have a lot of guys that are trying to figure out the roles and they really haven't yet. Um So, what do you mean by no, so what do you mean by like guys that are the same type of players? Give me an example. Are you kind of refer- are you referencing like Jason Tatum, Gordon Hayward do the same stuff? Because if that's the case, I would agree with you. I I mean, they have a plethora of wings they can use the way that they use all of their wings together for spacing compromises their rebounding and defense so much so that with Gordon Hayward not fully healthy yet, this is what they are. Right. Um, I mean, Gordon, I, I think Hayward is slowly starting to get back into form. Um, I mean, Gordon Hayward did have 30 points the other day, um, but we'll see if that's sustainable. But yeah, he, I did, think, he looked great. I do think the fact that they do have a lot of wings is hurting them. Um, I mean, it's not just Jason Tatum. It's not just Gordon Hayward. Uh, Jalen Brown. Is, I mean, for sure, he's been out though too, right? He's been out. I mean, they're getting hit. I mean, obviously, he does a lot of similar stuff to what Jason Tatum and what Gordon Hayward do. Um, you can even throw Marcus Morris in there. Marcus Morris is pretty much just a bigger version of. I mean, you can kind of say he's a bigger version of Jason Tatum just because he's not a guy that's gonna pound it. He pounded inside. He takes a lot of mid-range jumpers, just like Jason Tatum does. So, yeah, I would agree that the Celtics have, in, in that sense, they have a lot of guys that do the same thing. Um, but, I mean, I, I've 
just dive. I've gone through this rabbit hole so many times with not just you guys in the chat, but um, with Noah personally. I just feel like the Celtics, yeah, they have a lot of mouths to feed, but I just feel like Brad Stevens still has to do a better job with the minutes. I mean, I think a lot, and I think a lot of it has to do with expectations. The, a lot with the guys they had last year that played in the playoffs, like a Terry Rozier, a Jalen Brown, those guys exceeded expectations in the playoffs. And now that they're in a different role this year, their production has gone down, and I would I would kind of say that they kind of got a little exposed of maybe their talent. Just maybe they weren't. Maybe they just weren't as good of a player as maybe we thought they were. I know that sounds weird to say because I was a huge Terror Rozier fan in the playoffs, but um, there's just a lot of things that there's a lot of things that Celtics can can work on. But um, but yeah, I mean, I I think Boston's gonna be fine because they have so much talent. But I just think the biggest factor is just a lot of the guys haven't gotten the roles yet. Um. I still feel like people don't really understand Gordon Hayward's injury was, was so severe. I mean, it's it's not – it's the injuries that all of us would suffer. I mean, all of us we're – not, we're not athletes. We're not NBA athletes. The, the injury that Gordon Hayward suffered would probably take a, twice as long to recover than what he did. And it, it's, it, it wasn't a good situation. So, um I could kind of just roll with this subject for like 30 minutes, but I don't want to do that. Um, <laughs> yeah. We, we've, like definitely, we've done that before. Yeah, I don't want to do that. We got to. It's gotta, like you're a Celtics fan or something. I know. Yeah. It's, it's almost like Weird, I'm a Celtics eh? fan. Weird. Oh. Um, but yeah, we can. Freaking Boston sports. Yeah. You got the Red Sox. <laughs> Nobody cares about them. Got the Patriots. Nobody cares about them. Uh, yeah, because all they do is win. Nobody cares. <laughs> all we yeah. Tom Brady's a systematic quarterback. All oh I, yeah. <laughs> all I do is win, 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 no matter what. <laughs> Tom Brady's a systematic quarterback, and I am the king of England. <laughs> all right. Um. I think we've – I know Noah wanted to talk about the Celtics, but I think we've kind of – if you guys want to share your opinions on Boston, you can. Um, but if not, I do think that we have reached a good stopping point because we've, we've gone pretty – this has gone pretty lengthy. Um, so if you guys have opinions on Boston, please uh, say them now. We'll make we'll, we'll Just – before you guys get going, I guess I'll, I'll I'm gonna give I'm gonna give my two cents, um, my, or my 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 more than two cents because I've been talking, but uh, <laughs> um, just like functionally, I think at the four spot, Boston's kind of at a disadvantage in the East because everybody else has kind of built through the three and four, and defensively, when you get into small ball, like. How do, how do you guard a Siakam or an Antetokounmpo or uh, even a, a – well, you're, you're, you'd be fine with like a Kawhi because you could throw Marcus Smart on him. Yeah, but, but what, what, what happens when they the Sixers start put in that – when they start playing Ben Simmons at the four like they have been? How do you guard Ben Simmons? Yeah. 
Yeah, that's what I mean. Is like, how can how can they cover for that? You know, there's there, that that's really tough. They really really need Sammy to step it up. Yeah. Um, well, I think this is a topic that we can kind of transition into to the next podcast. Um, but I will say before you guys can get your two cents in if you guys want. Um, the Celtics did throw a lot of Aaron Baines and Al Horford at the four or five last year during the playoffs, and it did work. Um, they were able to limit Ben Simmons a lot in the playoffs last year. Um, I don't know if that's going to be the case this year because I think Ben Simmons is another year older. But um, I mean, the Raptors are limited in tonight, I'll tell you that much. So, maybe. So, Sam, do you got any input about the Celtics before we uh, wrap this baby up? Uh, no, to be honest, I, I really don't. Uh, I, I think what I said about the Celtics, I think that was basically all I – that was basically my take on the Celtics. You, you got to get to watch the Cavs. Yeah, they lost by 24 to the freaking Warriors. Oh. Hey, at least they, they were, beat the Sixers. Yeah, yeah, we're on that. We're on that. Uh, we're on that tank grind right now. T- tank for RJ or Zion at this point. Yeah. Uh, Cleveland will be Cleveland. Man, I don't know. All right. Um, do you guys have any final thoughts? I mean, I, I've pretty much have said what I wanted to say. Um, oh no. You guys are done. You guys are. I'm, I'm good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm Gucci. Okay. Yeah, I um, think we good. All right, I think we're good. So, again, I think we did a good job talking about the topics, starting from all the way to the Kareem Hunt situation, um, trickling down to the Atlanta Falcons, less miles or fewer miles, like some fans like to call them, uh, Chicago Bulls, Clippers. Noah, please say his name. Luca. Doncic. Yes, because I, I, every time I say it, I can't pronounce it right. Um, and a couple more NBA topics. So, with that, I think we're going to put a bow on this. Uh, Thank you, all of you guys, Connor, Noah, Sam, and Worth, for coming along on this episode. And hopefully, we can make it to a third episode. Keep the ball rolling. So again, thank you all for coming on. And just going to revive. Keep that vibe when we show up and collide. Me and the guys move just like the FOI. In the hills, but still keep them ghetto ties. Was talking Frenchies, but she thinking Ocean Prime. No, she keep an open mouth and open mind. I don't open up, but though she open mine. I need less stress and I need more thighs, yeah. We on a jet quest, mobbing with the tribe, yes. In the headrest, one of 25, yes. Ain't seen the best yet, open up your eyes.